When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think you're right. They, they keep winning the games you're going to win because you got that foundation of goaltending and defense. And then we'll see how they are against the iron. And we'll see if the later in the season, if people get tired, if there are limitations, you ebb and flow of the season, there'll be times where it doesn't go as well as it is right now. Yeah. Well, the, the, and the ultimate, there is one X factor, and it's the ultimate X factor for this team. And really what has tied everything together is Matt Patra. Hawks with Ags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff on joehaggerty.substack.com. If you get a premium membership, you'll have everything I write about the ho- about hockey and the Bruins sent right to your inbox, and you'll be able to read full, complete articles. A lot of what I have right now is behind a paywall because we're right in the middle of the Bruins season. You can also check out my stuff at Boston Sports Journal. Uh, we have Mick Collagio, my longtime friend and colleague with me. Mick, please uh, let the people know where they can read your stuff. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Mick Collagio. Uh, as you uh, see it on my screen there. Do they see my screen the way I do with my name on it? I um, think they do. Okay, good. And uh, and uh, and uh, rinkwrapmc.com. Good stuff from Mick. Uh, he brings uh, years and years, decades even, of knowledge of the Bruins covering the beat. Uh, that kind of context to everything that he writes. So he is a must-read at all times. Uh, I also want to give you'd a- say centuries, but but we know there's only been one <laughs> or millennia, whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I, I also want to give a quick shout out to uh, our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, we're in the middle of the NHL season right now. We we're coming off the frozen frenzy uh, at ESPN where they had every game uh, known to man playing uh, and they had Butcher Gross and, and, uh, and Weeksy uh, breaking it all down and kind of doing a red zone style thing with hockey last night on ESPN. So now is the time to jump in. If you're into the fan duel, you want to uh, bet a few bucks. Uh, customers get new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, uh, visit fanduelcom slash Boston uh, with football and hockey in, in major swing right now. You're going to want to do that. And also let's give some love uh, to factor meals. America's number one, ready to eat meal kit. We love it. It's healthy. Uh, smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving ready in two minutes. If you have a busy like lifestyle, like I do, I uh, just put it in the micro for two minutes and it's done and it's healthy and delicious. I uh, head to factormeals.com slash hags 50 and use code hags 50 to get 50% off your first box. All right. With that's the sponsorships out of the way. Let's break it down real quick, Mick. Um, you know, first things first. And I wrote about this today in Boston sports journal, the Bruins fooled us again. For the second year in a row, we expected them to struggle. We expected the changes or the adversity or whatever they were going through to like pack a punch and to knock them down a little bit. Uh, A lot of naysayers, prognosticators, whatever you want to doom and gloomers, whatever you want to call them. uh, We're saying this is going to be the year now with uh, Bergeron and Krejci retired that they're going to miss the playoffs. I certainly thought they'd be a wild card at best. Uh, but a lot of people, just like a summer before, were uh, predicting uh, bad things for the Bruins and, and were expecting to see a crash and burn. 
Uh, instead, we see a 4-0 road trip through California and Chicago, a 6-0-0 start to the season, which, which is their second best uh, going back to 1937-38. Um, they're definitely doing what we thought they were going to do and what we talked a lot about them doing, which is winning with defense and goaltending. They've allowed seven goals in six games. Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman outstanding. The defense has been outstanding. Uh, the offense has been good enough uh, to help them win and be undefeated. Obvious caveat here is they're playing Chicago, San Jose, Anaheim. They've got a bunch of uh, Nashville. They've got a bunch of cream puffs in there to start the season. So that's going to help them get off to a good start too. But look, if you're going to be a playoff team, those are the teams you, if you beat all of those teams uh, with consistency and all the time, and you get a handful of games against the uh, wins against the iron and the better teams, you're going to be a playoff team. Like that's all they have to do to make the playoffs. So uh, my, your, your thoughts on the team, what you've seen so far, the impressions, and if you feel like you were at all wrong about uh, what you thought about this team going into the season now, looking back at the first six games. I, I, you know, it's, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but it's really more of uh, you get, you're, you're wrong so many times in your life that you realize that you, be, you become shy. You get a little gun shy to make <laughs> predictions. Last yeah. year, I wasn't feeling great about it with the injuries at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, but so many X factors turned up roses. And this year I felt a little more solid because I felt like there's less to think about, but that didn't leave me in a great place. It left me feeling about the Bruins, how you felt about them going into the season, which is this is a team that's going to have a tougher Detroit, a tougher Ottawa, a tougher Buffalo yeah. and to, to hurdle over. And, and so, but yeah, if you try to just, get away from comparing to last year and just say, what is this? It's an excellent goaltending tandem best in the league last year. We'll be one of the best this year. Yep. Really solid defensive team, you know, team, team chemistry. They filled it out with sturdy kinds of players, not a lot of X factor kind of players, players that were hoping, even though he's got a bad knee and he's 35, he, we're hoping he'll score 50 goals like he did in 1987. Not a lot of that kind of guy. Iran Ramsdyke, would be the only guy would classify that way. And he's been excellent. He's yeah, been he the has. guy I've been wrong. So I'll, let me let me be microcosm about this and say that JVR, I was wrong about. I, I This guy, now we're only six games in. but yeah, He's going to have to stay in one piece and stay healthy, of course. Like that's I'm, been. I just have not seen here. inspired hockey out of him for, what, a half a dozen years. Yeah. And yet, and yet I'm looking at a player right now who seems to me like he's got a new lease on life. And that to me has been inspiring. Um, a lot of the rest of it, I feel like is pretty much gone the way it should. Um, you know, there's funny little things though that happen along the way. I, one of the things I wrote down for myself, a little note here, um, during the game, um, uh, Ryan Donato had the puck and he tried to back in on Charlie McAvoy down the low right wing corner and yep. Charlie McAvoy would have none of it. He stuck out his, his hockey pants and Charlie McAvoy just boom, you know, just knocked him right to the ice. Donato gets up and probably three seconds later takes the puck out of the corner and spins off a of Patra and goes to the net with it. And Patra got completely schooled in a one-on-one -on -one situation by the same guy who seconds earlier was absolutely leveled by McAvoy when he tried to make a make a body puck protection move on him. Yeah. So you know, I mean, and, and as great as Padre's goal was last night, let's remember who he beat on his way down the ice, Corey Perry. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's basically like you know Wayne Cashman circa '83. He's very at the very end. You know, yes. and and uh, you know, so 
he, I don't know if he's got the stick kid, the stick uh, boy. A lot, a lot of grit and balls. A lot of grit and balls in Corey Perry's game at this point. That's about all he's got. Uh, That's right. And you know, right and he's, in, in the last year or two, he's had more more than I realized he had left. Yeah. But but right. But sooner or later, father time wins, and we saw a little bit of that last night. So yeah, I I, I like the, I like the Bruins. If I just you know. I think you're right. They they keep winning the games you're going to win because you got that foundation of goaltending and defense. And then we'll see how they are against the iron. And we'll see if the later in the season, if people get tired, if there are limitations, you ebb and flow of the season, there'll be times where it doesn't go as well as it is right now. Yeah. Well, the, the, and the ultimate, there is one X factor and it's the ultimate X factor for this team. And really what has tied everything together is Matt Patra, 19 years old, you know, can't, can't come out of nowhere in training camp to really show that he can play on this team. I think he has punched his ticket to be on this team uh, all year based on, you know, the way he looked in training camp, of course, and the way he's looked during the season, but also the way he just took it up another level on the on the West Coast trip production wise, scored three goals, um, you know, helped them win the game in Los Angeles big time was a huge factor in that win. And again, last night gives them some breathing room uh, against the Blackhawks with the way he's able to strip Corey Perry, beat him down the ice and score that goal. And, you know, his presence has allowed a lot of different things to happen. His presence has allowed uh, Jim Montgomery to play with the other lines and kind of put things together that he'd like to see. It's allowed him to put together a third line of Charlie Coyle, James Van Riemsdyk and Trent Frederick. That is excellent. That is big, that is physical, that is puck protection, that is going to lean on the other team's defensemen and their players and wear them down. And you saw the goal that they scored to make it three to nothing, where all of them were winning battles around the front of the net and just wearing them down. And ultimately, uh, JVR makes a really nice pass to Frederick, and Frederick finally uh, puts it in after he was battling uh, with his guy uh, out in front a little bit. And you start to see the makings of Patra's ability to play a top six center spot and to produce some offense and to bring something out of some other players offensively and the potential that he has, it started to allow Montgomery to play a little bit with his forwards and feel comfortable about putting things together the way they should and the the way they can get back to the depth that they had before. You know, that was really the question I had about these forwards was what kind of depth are they going to have, especially at the center uh, position, but all over uh, if they're just relying on, you know, two lines, hopefully to provide some offense and, you know, it, it, not sure what you're going to get out of the third line, especially if Coyle has to play up uh, and then hopeful that a fourth line that's got a couple of young guys in Loco uh, and Beecher is going to be able to provide energy and, and be responsible. And I think what we're seeing now is, is, but Patra's presence has allowed him to put everything together in a way that the Bruins have depth again at, at the forward position. And they're starting to get back to what they were last year, where not only can they get scoring and offense out of the, the top two lines and, you know, they haven't even really, well, they've gotten a ton out of Pasternak, but you know, Marshan started to get going on this trip and Zaka scores. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now, new customers, Get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. 
Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Oh, oh, Tom Marchand's playing. Oh, he's playing Tom great. He's, he's playing, playing like a captain. Yeah, he's really got it up in his pace, his tempo and intensity of, of puck touches and and how he's playing the game right now and how he's skating. I, yep. I love what I'm seeing. And if things mess up and things screw up, I'm not worried about early season Marchand right now because I see the energy. I see him really looking like the guy uh, who was healthy five years ago and not yep. the banged up one who needed double labrum. Uh, you know, yep. so this is this is this is huge, potentially huge for the Bruins for Marchand to really catch stride as a hockey player and be his elite self again at this age. And, and being so, a leader, you know, I think he set the tone leadership wise with this team and he's really helped them. And I, I thought it was important. Some of the tone that they had at the beginning of the season was we're not going to talk about the guys that aren't here anymore. We're just going to talk about the guys that are here. And this is our group. And, you know, having that mentality going into the year didn't allow them to dwell on what they didn't have or the guys that retired and just uh, to focus on what they were doing. And I thought that was a really good statement and move that the leadership group made saying those things and, and spreading that message around uh, to start the year. But to your point, he's also backed it up with the way he's played on the ice that play he made was it against LA um, where he took a big hit against the sideboards to make a pass to set up a goal I think it was to pasta like that's a great play that's, that's a leadship play that's setting that's the right. tone for everybody else that you're going to yeah. take a hit to make a play he accepted the contact and, and he had the great that incredible ability of his to shield the puck and, and still make a play off of a hit like that yep and it, that sets the tone with everybody that guess what? If your best player, or your captain is doing that, everybody's expected to do that. And that's winning hockey. Uh, yeah. And they're starting to get back to that. And and the just the fact that they're going to, you know, they have some players out here uh, on the ice that are creating things offensively and, and doing enough. And you kind of thought this might be the case with Pasternak, Marshy, and some of the guys they had. They have just enough offense to get by with the great defense and the goaltending that they're going to have. And I don't that's, think that's that's their house. Yeah. I don't think the defense and the goaltending are going away. They are, as we thought, going to win games three to two, three to one, two to one, mm-hmm. one to nothing. We're going to see a lot of that, I think, this year, unless they really change what they're doing. And I don't think they should at this point until, you know, an injury happens or something happens where they've got to, you know, change things up, something unforeseen. Because right now, I think they have a winning formula. And I think they're going to win against some pretty good teams as well as, you know, the I'm looking teams forward that- to those games to see how they measure up. Yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, one of the things from last night that kind of struck me was is how badly they outshot the Blackhawks. The Bruins have not been a shot volume team, and I think this was cited in the ESPN yeah. telecast that that uh, the last time the Bruins had this many shots or something was a game that Cassidy coached. They didn't note that it was Cassidy coached it, but it was right. the first thing I thought was from the season that Cassidy coached. Yes. And he was, as Nick Foligno said, a shot volume coach, whereas. Yes. Funneling pucks, he used to call it. Funneling pucks. Right. And, and God, yeah, Bork Neely hockey. You know, yep. just get, kick the crap out of Ron Tugnut. But uh, <laughs> in this case, it's uh, Montgomery's a possession game. You're looking for the right shot, and you're holding on. It's a little more like Robbie Fatorik had the Bruins playing back 20 years ago. And and uh, in this case, uh, to, for the Bruins to have that many shots, I thought it was a byproduct of the fact that they were so relentless each yep. line was on a was four checking the Blackhawks silly, and they were relentless. They were playing like it was a playoff series 
you know they can't do 82 games like that, but it was fun to watch an early season game where they were playing that way and being that dominant on the on the territorial and the possession and everything was just adding up to the point that they were out shooting them silly. Well, and especially when you factor in the context of the game, which is the last game of a super long road trip where they've had multiple time zone changes, you would expect them to have dead legs or to have nothing last night or be one of the ones that's almost like a kind of a scheduled loss. Uh, well, which would, makes me where I'm at, which makes me wonder. And I started thinking about this before we went on. What are they going to do tomorrow? Right. And that, and that, and tomorrow, game. tomorrow may end up being that game, that but be I was dead. impressed that it didn't happen in Chicago and yeah. that they, to your point, brought out as much as they did were forechecking and skating as hard and really putting forth the effort like they were. Um, good to note uh, that uh, Jacob Lauco uh, is going to be okay. Got a scary cut uh, above his eye or around his eye. He sent out a funny tweet today. Uh, one of his, one of the Lord of the Rings characters with a messed up face uh, saying this, this is what I looked like this morning. So he his sense of humor is intact, and uh, he was laughing about it, as hockey players always do when they have gruesome injuries like that. So it was pretty to- scary moment for any player. It's oh. every player's nightmare to yes. suddenly, you know, have your, you know. But in his case, at least he was, you know, had his hand on his face and he was running off the ice because yep. he knew he had been kicked. You know, yep. it was kind of a heel, a heel kick, an accidental heel kick. Um, from Dickerson there and and uh he didn't even see him was behind him and he kicked yep. upward backward and like a horse and and I don't know why he did it but it was like uh kind of like whatever he was doing in the middle of doing that was the movie made and and Lauko's face was down there he had taken a nasty hit and that would have been worth talking about if this didn't happen yep he had yeah just been knocked down pretty hard and I, I always have that uh, vision in my head of the, the mule kick coming back to get me with the skates uh, when I'm on the ground as a hockey coach putting on the goalie pads for the kids. I always have I always have that nightmare, like, please do not kick back with your leg right now when well, you're back yeah. there, like, getting the pads on. So, like, that even for, like, just a coach putting on the pads, that's, like, the, uh, the worst-case scenario, nightmare, doomsday scenario to see the skate blade coming at you like that when your face is so close. So I'm glad that Lauko... Uh, is okay. Uh, some uh, fresh news um, earlier uh, this afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, um, Ian Mitchell uh, put on waivers by the Bruins. Uh, that might be a guy that they lose potentially. Um, you know, we'll see if he passes through and he, and he goes down to Providence. Uh, had a good camp. That's a good, that's a good point you make in there. I didn't really think much about that because every buddy on waivers has been clearing except for one or two guys, but he's a guy who might not. Yeah, puck moving defenseman, a guy that's got a little bit of offensive upside, has played some NHL games. Right, and, he's a, he's you know, slightly proven. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So like that's the kind of guy if uh, anybody's looking for a puck mover or anybody is uh, hurting right depth wise because of injuries yeah, yeah. early in the season, he could get scooped up. And I'm sure that you know that was a consideration going in. But you know he also had had a little bit of struggles when he'd been in the lineup um, so far this uh, season. You know, a couple games. I think he got in there, and he he, he didn't look great. So I, I I understand why they did it. Maybe there was a salary cap component as well. Um, you think that this is the prelude to? Do you suspect this is the prelude to anything else? Or I don't. I don't. Do you? I mean, I, I don't. I think this was you know more roster based than anything else. But or performance. But okay, so right because you still now. Wait a second. Who's I'll have to. I'll have to. I mean, are you are you anticipating that Mason Lowry is going to come up or something like that? Well, I'm wondering if they want happening. to get. Under, I'm wondering if they want to get a look. If they yeah. want to just schedule a look at him and say, yeah, look, let's let's just let's just get an early season look and see where you're at. Give you a few NHL games against the real deal, real competition, and see what you see what it looks like. 
and yeah. then and then we go back down and not that they're you know not that they're into yo-yoing people on purse purpose they well no like but if they're that. but if they're thinking about it making a trade with one of their other defensemen and he becomes a mainstay once they make that trade maybe they do want to get a little look at that before they you know make that kind of a deal that's a potentially uh in the offing or potentially in the thinking. And I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't put that past them and that you're going to want a, a little trial balloon uh, to see what it looks like at the NHL level with him uh, mm. before you're going to trade a Grizzly, a forward, somebody that's a big time important part of your defenseman core. You're going to make sure your, your bases are covered uh, before you do that. But like it's, it would be interesting if uh, they trade somebody away um, to make room for Lowry, Lowry comes up. Let's say they lose Ian Mitchell on waivers. Now you're talking yeah. about like a big hit to your defenseman depth uh, going on, like a one-two punch based on uh, the you know the dominoes falling and the moves they're making here. It's going to be well, interesting. yeah, and it could be that I'm thinking about maybe a scenario where somebody called Don Sweeney and said, "Hey, listen, we're interested in either Grizz or Forbor. You know, right. one of those two guys. Uh, now, if they're interested in either one of those two guys, then the Bruins need another left shot." So if if the left shot if it's if it's going to be back to Zaboral or if it's going to be uh, Lowry uh, to get a look at Lowry and see how he is and yep. because you got the luxury right now if you're ever going to get a look at Lowry in the early season you're six and zero and you and you have a chance here right now to to have integrate him a little bit and see how he looks um, you know because somebody else is interested in one of your guys and you want to know what the ramifications are and yeah. and so yeah, yeah maybe there's something there. I'm just wondering. could be could be um all right now uh another thing that happened we'll we're gonna get into some mailbag questions right now um and we can address it within the question uh we didn't we talked about uh last podcast we had was before Jake debrusque got suspended for a game we were actually talking about how he was disappointment for the first you know two two three games before we you uh, recorded the podcast last week uh and then lo and behold like the next day he got suspended for missing a team meeting uh, yeah. for being late to a team meeting excuse me yeah. um but uh, here's the mailbag question um and this one's a little uh a little direct this one's a little blunt uh, why does Jake DeBrusque's name always come up as being somehow difficult, stupid, etc.? I don't think he's ever been called stupid. I think he's actually a pretty smart guy. Um, at what point does his off the ice nonsense outweigh his underachievement on the ice? And that's from Don Tuna uh, on Twitter. I, I don't think, I don't think he's really. I would not label Jake DeBrusque a problem. I would not label Jake DeBrusque as difficult. I, I wouldn't put him in, in any of those categories. I think he's very popular with his teammates. I think they all like him. I think he's a pretty fun-loving guy. I think he's fun to be around. I think his teammates enjoy him being there because he can lighten things up and joke around. But I think there is an element of irresponsibility to him. And um, if they made it public and suspended him for a game for being late to a team meeting, I am going to say right now, that's not the first time he's been late to a team meeting. Cause I think the last resort is putting it in public and, and going that discipline route. Maybe this happened a couple times last year, it got swept under the rug. And now this year with different leadership and, you know, a different tone and, and Jim Montgomery, I think coaching a little differently this year, frankly, um, with the with Patrice Bergeron gone that it's going to be a little bit of a different story and it's going to be a little stricter as far as the, the ship that they run. Um, so like, I think there is a level of irresponsibility to him and, and sort of, it took him a little bit longer, I think, to mature into the player that he is now than maybe it did for some other players. Uh, I like Jake DeBrusque personally. I, you know, I don't hold anything against him for a trade request because he did not get along with Bruce Cassidy and did not like the situation he was in. Uh, that happens all the time. I don't think that's a reflection on him as a person, but I will say, like, you know, 
this season was not a great start to a guy that's in a contract year with the Bruins and wants to get a big money, big term deal uh, from them. And certainly going to get one from somebody in the league. If he, you know, even has a half decent season this year, if he gets 25 goals, he's going to get a really good contract. I just don't think it's going to be from the Bruins. And I think some of the issues to start the year inconsistency wise and missing that team meeting or being late to it kind of highlight some of the things that maybe the Bruins aren't that comfortable giving them, a six year, huge money deal, uh, you know, and giving them all that money and, and the responsibility that comes along with that. Um, but they've got to balance that poor player investment. Right. But with the, you got to balance that with how are you going to replace his offense and his goals? Cause there's obviously a dynamic skater and score and those guys don't grow on trees. So it's, it's an interesting situation. Some of the best hand I have ever seen. Yeah. I, I can't believe how he can reach behind himself while he's really accelerating through the middle of the rink. And you got guys coming at you want to take you out and he can knock a puck down out of the air and keep it. And it's like, what the hell did, you know, it's like a cartoon and to have that kind of skill. Now he's come along so far and I really, he really won me over last season. Yeah. me too. And I was very slow to the party on Jake DeBrusque. I me traded too. him seven times. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I didn't know, I questioned very heavily questioned the prior season how it was possible to to rescind a trade request and and to actually ever be able to undo that. But the Bruins somehow made that happen with him and then got the best of his career so far after that happened. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I've been so stupefied by that and and so embracing Jake DeBrusque and thinking I was wrong about this guy. It just took him a while, you know, et cetera, that um for this to happen now in a contract year, and and why did the Bruins go into the year without signing him to begin with? I'm st- yep. I have a hard time trying to compartmentalize all of this stuff. Well, because I don't think they have intentions of signing him. That's my own personal opinion. I think this is a Tory Krug situation where they don't Nathan want Nathan Horton situation. Yeah, yeah, they do not want to give him that huge money uh, long term deal, and I think they feel like it would be a bad investment, uh, and it's hard for them because I think they. The, the players like him with his skill set uh, and his ability to score goals and create offense don't grow on trees. And it's made more difficult by the fact that to your point, he had a really good season last year and he played tough and he played, did a lot of the things away from the puck that they want him to do. Uh, I think he was a much more complete, more consistent player. He was going to score 30 goals if he didn't get hurt in the winter classic where he scored two goals in the third period on a broken leg. So like, you know, I, I think there are a lot of things, uh, that make it a difficult decision for them. But ultimately I think at the end of the day, maybe some of what's gone on early in the season is he's not sure they want him back. I'm not sure they want him back. And I think there's going to be like a level of awkwardness until it gets resolved one way or the other, or they both just decide like, that's it. And we're not going to talk about it anymore. You know, I think that whole thing uh, creates a delicate situation. And I just don't think DeBrusque is the kind of guy that is going to be able to perform his best if he knows like every move is, uh, you know, could be is his next contract and staying in with the Bruins could be dependent on like every little thing that he's done doing. I don't think he's going to, he's the type of player that will respond positively to that kind of pressure on his shoulders. I think it may go in the other direction. Um, So, but, but in the other part of it too, is as I referenced before, he's very popular. He's good buddies with David Pasternak. He's very popular with a lot of the guys in that room. Uh, how unpopular is it going to be with them if he doesn't come back? And how much of a problem are those guys going to have who are very influential players you want to keep happy, players that want him around? 
how much is it going to ruffle their feathers if they just, you know, wave goodbye to him or don't treat him the right way, don't give him a good offer and kind of lowball him or, you know, don't stonewall him and don't talk to him. All that stuff, I think, is a really interesting scenario that's going to play out. Yeah, we got to hope it doesn't degenerate into a early 90s uh, wartime players versus <laughs> owners versus players kind yeah. of negotiations that that is really just sort of a prelude to a, a bitter departure and go learn how to yodel uh you know this right. is this is um uh and, and don sweeney's not the go go learn how to yodel kind of guy so i don't think it's ever gonna no, turn but. no and and uh he's not and and uh in fact is he would have been gone by now if he was anywhere near close to that right so right. uh but but you hope that that th- this incident because even though you allude to the possibility the strong possibility that there's that there's much more happened that led to this going public. But if this is an isolated incident, at least on a record it is, that that it does not have the power to sabotage their ability to get the best deal possible for right. him. You would also be trading from a point of weakness if your season was going poorly, but their season's going fantastic. So right. if you got a deal, if there's something happening here, and 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 whether it's Elias Lindholm or it's whoever else whose name has been in the papers uh, for uh, quite a while here that would interest the Bruins. Um, and, you know, when things have gone well enough with Zaka that I got to wonder what the Bruins, uh, what they would want to do about it if they knew they were going to trade him, what right. they would want to get. We know it wouldn't be a goalie and we know it wouldn't be a defenseman. But what would it be? Uh, you know, um, unless it was a, the right left shot defenseman to be a top four guy and solidify the way they did at the deadline with Orloff. Um, what, what would be that guy other than that? Um, everybody would assume center, but right now we know, we know Potra's all set. Uh, and you know, Coil ain't going anywhere. Question is, is how do they feel about Zaka? Yep. In that, yeah. In that do, position. Do we, yeah. Do we like him at center or wing ultimately? And if you don't like, if you want another winger, what do you want? You got yep. elite line drivers with Marshan and Pasternak, uh, and and you know scoring wingers and and uh, playmakers and and is this an opportunity to become a more physical team maybe, but in the top six rather than just you know uh, having your muscle down below. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. When it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, They fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, They have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun-spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's 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 a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com/hags50 and use the code Hags50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I- I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to to make meal kits especially when we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval.
Well, the, you know, then this question is later on. I had it later on, but I'm going to ask it next because it kind of comes right out of that last question. If the Bruins secure a playoff spot by the trade deadline, what are the chances they will try to acquire a number one center for a deep run in the playoffs? And what would they be willing to give up in players and draft picks? And that's from Kirk, 19721974. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to answer this right now, and I don't think we can intelligently answer it right now because we're going to have to see more of Matt Patra, see more of Pavel Zaka in a real mm-hmm. premium center role on this team. Um, but the, if they continue to play like they're playing right now and continue to go as they're going, and I don't know that they need a number one center. I think right. that they're okay with what they have. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there'll be other spots they can fortify, or maybe they get another winger to go in the top six that's dynamic, uh, that can score goals. Like, I think you can base it a little more on the specific team and what the need has this year and beyond. And rather that, doesn't than, even, that doesn't even take injury, injuries into consideration. Right, and that too. Yeah. But rather than having blinders on, like we have to trade for a number one center. No, I think if they continue as the status quo, and if they continue to play as they are, and those centers that are in the top six spots continue to excel, there is zero reason to go get Elias Lindholm and overpay for him. There is zero exactly. reason to... Uh, overpay and take on Ryan Nugent Hopkins contract. There's no reason to get any of these guys. I think they have the answers to the questions right now, but I can't say that definitively six games into the season. I need to see a bigger sample size with them in these big spots before I'm ready to go there. Me too. Uh, The only thing that we don't know that would be great to know uh, is what is happening on the phones. What are the calls that are coming into Don Sweeney? Who is asking for what? And what are they dangling? Because there might be opportunities. Sometimes uh, you have an early season opportunity to formulate your yes. team in a in a and add a dimension that that might be you know completely change your trajectory in a yep. subtle way even. But it could do it, you know. And and who knows what's what's there? And to me, knowing that would be that that's that's a crystal ball they actually have. Who knows what's what's happening right now? What the rumblings are. Because if there's ever a time to trade, it's now. The prices are, are lower. You're in a great position in the standings. You have opportunity to uh, to do something uh, to make your team better. Uh, then, then this is, you know, right now things are about as good as they can get for the Bruins when it comes to trading. Question is, is what's going on? Yeah, and uh, as far as pieces they would trade, Jake DeBrusque we just talked about, I think, Given his situation, I think he could, and his value to other teams around the league, he could certainly factor into any trade talks you were going to have. Matt Grizzlick, I think, is the natural one to trade based on Mason Lowry's emergence and based on uh, the fact that he's five foot ten, five foot nine, one hundred and seventy pounds, and you know you want to get bigger on the back end. It's got nothing to do with his him him as a player. I think he's a premium puck mover. I think he's a very good defenseman, very good defensive defenseman, frankly, for his size because of his stick and his positioning and you know the technical aspects of how he plays defense defense but when it comes to playoff time you can take advantage of players that size on the back end you just can uh they have a hard time staying healthy and i think defensively you can you can push them around uh closer to the net uh especially when it gets more physical so uh i think those would be two of the natural players that uh, some kind of a bigger deal would be based around uh if they did indeed go there um here's an interesting one will kevin shattenkirk be a seventh player award candidate this year from soup got a poop <laughs> on twitter <laughs> Um, wow. I mean, I, Shad Kirk strikes me as the if he has a solid season, he could definitely get consideration for that. And it seems like it's going a little more 
uh, it was going for a little while, like towards, and it still does to a degree towards the young players that emerge. Like Patra could end up definitely being a seventh. Uh, oh, player. he's going to win this thing, and I'm going to be saying all along that it should have been JBR. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. That's how this but, is going to go. Patra's going to win it, and I'm going to be sitting there saying it should have been JBR because yeah. I didn't expect JBR. The definitionally award is. Uh, player forms above and beyond what one would normally expect. That was the original definition, TV yep. 38, seventh player award, 1969. Yep. Eddie Westfall won the first one. And, yep. and uh, but, you know, Tim Thomas won it twice. Billy Guerin won it twice. I mean, there's a ridiculous, you know, ridiculous wins for a second time around made no sense, you know? Yep. So Patra, um, yeah, the shiny new toy will definitely get it. Yeah. If he sticks around and he has a good season, he will end up getting Kirk's Shannon Kirk's exactly what they thought they were going to get. A guy who you want to yeah. protect his minutes, you want to protect his matchups, especially his matchups, and then he's going to help you do what he it's does well. Which get, is, get which is the net. He's been fantastic and he's getting his shots point, through. And he gives you kind of, he's like power play insurance. He'll bring yep. stability to a power play that struggles. But you saw that. Unit or not. You've seen it consistently. He can get a shot through from the point. He he finds shooting lanes and he gets the shot pucks to the net. And that helps you create offense five on five. We saw it in the game uh, against Chicago. Uh, Pavel Zaka's tapping on the ice saying, hey, I'm here. Good position. Like ready to tip a puck. Shankar gets it right to him. He tips it in. Uh, bing, bang, boom. Like it was a great play. And it was a smart play by two veteran guys that were absolutely on the same wavelength that are starting to get used to playing together and, uh, you know, and create offense the old fashioned way. So, um, you know, I, I think he's already started to show his value, even if you also see that times he's going to be taken advantage of just with turnovers and, you know, the defensive zone, some of the stuff traditionally that he struggles a little bit with when he's not in the offensive zone creating. It was nice to see him jump a player there when, when uh, Swayman was. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Who was that? I can't remember. Barry, I think it was Perry. Was it Perry? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was Perry. Yes. Perry was crowding Swayman and then he, he jumped on him and tackled him. Yes. Yeah, and he wound and, up on the bottom, but he took one for the team. Good. He did. He did. And that was a veteran move. Um, those are like good signs. That stuff, JVR, the way he's playing, like the veterans that are playing the way that they are. I think they realize they're in a pretty good situation here and we're, we're getting uh, the Bruins are getting their best. Um, all right. Thoughts on Beller, Barry Melrose's impact on hockey overall, but also do you think the Hockey Hall of Fame will get him in quicker due to his medical medical condition from Louis G. P.R.O.D. Prod? Um, I mean, I would hope so. I always hope the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, moves uh, with speed and and with wisdom and and uh, you know with diligence when it's a situation like it is with Barry Melrose and um, you know I was sad to see that he wasn't going to be part of the ESPN coverage this year because he's so synonymous with that I'm sad that I'm not going to see him at any of the big national events in his big pinstripe suit smoking a cigar somewhere with the slick back hair like you know it, it became something you look forward to would see him in a big uh, chair in like a lobby of the rank or the hotel uh, where the you know the All Star game or the Stanley Cup Finals is going on. And, uh, you know, he's puffing away in a cigar with a big smile on his face, just enjoying himself and everybody enjoyed his company. And, you know, he's he's he was even when ESPN was uh, the sport whose name you will not mention. uh, Hockey was the sport whose name you will not mention on ESPN. He was still the guy that carried the torch there and represented it for all those years. He and Steve Levy. So, uh, you know, I I hope uh, everything is going as well as it can for him. And I do hope he gets that honor while he's still around to enjoy it. 
Uh, but you, just your thoughts on Bowery Melrose and his legacy right now. Yeah, I'm never sure, uh, you know, what the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, what they're thinking, what they'll do. Rick Middleton. Uh, yeah. But yep. uh, but when, when it comes to, and Keith Kachuk, but when it yeah. comes to, uh, you know, a guy like Barry Melrose, all I remember is uh, when I think of my friends who were closer to him, like Louise Cornetta, uh, all the years she's worked for ESPN yep. uh, and, and uh, always had the most wonderful things to say. Uh, I just uh, re- spoke in the last week with the great Cap Raider who just turned 70. And, um, you know, I hope he, Cap he, is doing well. He's awesome. Yeah, he is. He's doing well. And he, he he's actually still doing some coaching, uh, some some teaching of, of goalies and, and working with uh, teams and, and squads coming down to Plymouth State and stuff in New Hampshire. Uh, and and so but but uh but he's very close to Barry and he's known this for a while uh, but I didn't I didn't um you know so I, I it's so it's it's not like a brand new diagnosis this is just right. going public now and uh and and you know and and these people love Barry I didn't know Barry well but anytime I my few encounters with him have been really really great and so hockey's a family and, uh, yep. you know, and, and a lot of people in the family uh, uh, really, you know, in pain when, when they see somebody like this suffering. And so, you know, God bless the man and his family. And, and you know, and we go from there. Well said, Mick. Uh, that's well said. And, you know, yeah, prayers and thoughts to Barry Melrose and his family. Like I said, I hope, you know, things are going as well as they can from him. Uh, it, it's, I'm sure, a difficult time for them. And it's a difficult time for the hockey world. Uh, but the good thing is. He's a wildly popular guy with tons of friends and tons of people supporting him and rooting for him. And I'm sure he feels that uh, regardless of what's going on with him. So best wishes to Barry Melrose. Thank you very much for the question, too. That was a great question to sort of wrap things up on. Uh, Mick, thank you very much for the time. I appreciate you coming on and answering some mailbag questions this week Uh, (laughs) for this. Everything is awesome. uh, Bruins team that can't seem to lose. Uh, let's also thank our sponsors, uh, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, flavor-packed options on the menu, uh, dietitian approved delicious. Uh, do I have my fact? Oh, yes, here it is. Factor Meals. I'm not only a spokesman, also a client. It's delicious. Uh, go to Factor Meals. Go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. And then also FanDuel Sportsbook. Get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet on the NHL, on the NFL, both in full swing, Major League Baseball playoffs still going on. So there's a lot of things you can bet on, whether it's spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick it off right uh, now that hockey and football are in full swing. Mick, thank you very much for joining me this week. I, I appreciate it, and I'll see you tomorrow night at the Garden. Yeah, I will find out if this team really cannot lose. (laughs) Yes, and we'll see if it's a scheduled loss or not. But for now, uh, thank you very much for listening to the Pucks with Hags podcast. We'll see you at the rink.